Hello and welcome to Touchline from Kasper Els and Mark Cameron. Hello, Mark. Hi, Kas. Nice being back in studio and looking forward to sharing some nice rugby that has happened in the last week or so with you. Yes, we had some decent games played over the last week, week and a half. Um, starting with the local rugby. Last week, Tuesday, we had the Griquas playing the Stormers. Griquas going down 32-38 against the Stormers. We had the Pumas and the Bulls. Pumas going down 31-48 against the Bulls. And then on Wednesday, we had the Elephants play the Lions. Elephants going down 24-54 against the Lions. And then we had the Cheetahs and our Sharks. And the Sharks narrowly missing this game in the last minutes against the Cheetahs, 39-38. Your thoughts? Well, firstly, to all the bigger franchises, if I can call them that, that's the guys that are all preparing to go into the Pro 16. Um, what has happened over the last two or three weeks with them playing, they've obviously played their second and third stringers. Um, and it just shows you the talent that we have in South Africa and that we have in the different franchises. And I look at the Bulls. The Bulls um, have dominated the rugby, obviously, over the last few few months. Um, Jake White has kept these youngsters going. There's some of these kids, and I say kids because some of them are barely yes. 19 that have played. Um, and at stages, they struggle because, obviously, they don't they have did. the know-how and the experience like yes. a Dwayne from Yellen, for argument's sake. But... Ultimately, for them to pull off the games and to win, and sometimes handsomely, speaks volumes. And, you know, you can go to the Sharks that played against the Cheetahs. The Cheetahs basically, they also had the groomed one or two players, but, I mean, they had the Franz Steins and the Ruan Pinars yes. and all those guys playing, whereas the Sharks had a second-string second side as well. Um, and that game could have been won right at the end by either side, and obviously Francis Stein kicked the penalty. Yes. But it all goes well for, for a guy like, like Sean Everett. And while I'm speaking about Sean Everett, if we can just say from touchline point of view to Sean yes, Everett, definitely. he was a guest in our studio two, three weeks ago. Um, congratulations on the Sharks showing faith in him and yes. uh, signing him again for contract extension. So well done, Sean. Well done, Sean. Um, just on that, you know, uh, the youngsters that he has pushed through the Sharks as well yes. that have that have stepped up and, and, and show what, what they've got in them. And what is important here with the, with the bigger franchises is the hunger that these youngsters have shown to want to play in that jersey. Yes. They also want to go and take part in the Pro 16. They also want to showcase their talents. And, I mean, it, it stands South African rugby in good stead. You know, we're hoping that when the box play later on in the, in the year against the Lions... Who knows? Some of these youngsters might have put their hands up, you know. So um, I think yes. in general all those games uh, were played quite quite well. You know, if I can go back to the Elephants and the Lions, it's quite a quite a big margin where the Lions beat the, the Elephants 54-24. But the Lions also, having said that, they also groomed a few youngsters. But, I mean, that was a battle game right until the end. I think the Lions pulled away with it in the last 15 they minutes did. or so. yes. So it's not a true reflection of whatever is happening, but the Lions, yet again, you know, they groomed youngsters to play in that. And I think a guy like Peter de Villiers that has now taken over at the Elephants, he's got a, he's got a tough task ahead of him. Um, he's also said that if the guys don't step up to the plate, he doesn't mind. 
um, then they need to go. But good luck to the Eastern Cape because they are a good feeder side for our provinces. We we spoke about the elephants after the lo- the first round of, of games. We said, yeah, they either go two ways. Either lose it completely or they're going to go fight back. And I think this showed that they're actually fighting back. They're not, they're not lying down and just letting the bigger unions walk all over them. Yeah, look, I think there's a lot of belief in the province. Um, they've gone through quite a bit in the last few seasons with regards to funding and so on and so forth. Yes. And, you know, they've when that happened, I think they pulled out of the Pro 14 as well because of funding yes. and COVID and so forth. But when that happened, they lost quite a number of players to, to the other unions. So they lost all the names they had. Correct. So they, and I say it with respect to the players, they are no-name brand. Yes. Um, starting to build on on their future and going forward you know and and you know to to the union it's uh, it's a tough tough place to be in a tough time to be in because you know when you play for your province and that franchise everyone expects you to win um, but one needs to understand whether are they rebuilding and they setting new sites and and heights for them to go and may it may it continue for a long time because out of that province Many a great rugby player was born, and I mean, Danny Gerber was one of them. He played yes. for the EP Kings. Audrey Geldenhuis was one of them. Yeah. A guy by the name of Tom Krach, uh, the prop yes. Erasmus, he, he was one of them. So there's many that have, that have come through the ranks. So, uh, yeah, all good for them, and may Peter de Villiers take them from strength to strength. I'm sure he's going to. Then, talking about the Six Nations played this weekend... We had some good games there as well. Italy, f- Wales, Italy going down to Wales, 7.48. We had England and France, France going down, 23.20. And then we had Scotland, Ireland, Scotland going down, 24.27 against Ireland. Some good games there. Definitely. Um, you know, if we can just go to, to the Italy game first... You know, I've, it's it's you know, as a coach myself, um, I have a look at Italy, and and you know, you look at them, and you know, week in and week out, you technically are not hiding to nothing. Play yes. against teams that are first year, if I can call it that, where Italy might be third year. Um, you know, it's it's very difficult to motivate players and even the coaching staff to motivate coaching staff to uh, participate in a tournament like this, knowing that you've got a very bad record. Everyone is already looking at you and, and writing you off and so forth, you know. So um, there's, there's question marks around their participation in the Six Nations. Yes. Should they be there or shouldn't they be there? I think for any team, regardless of whether it's province or club or international side, the only way to grow is to play in a top competition. Yes. And the Six Nations is obviously a top competition. So uh, I think for them, it's just maybe resetting their targets and seeing what they want to do and take small steps at a time and, and get everyone to buy into what they want to do and when they want to achieve it by. So I feel sorry for a guy like Franco Smith that has come in because obviously he's under tremendous pressure himself now. Um, you know, But it's a small box and they hopefully will gain out of this. Now, but the big talk is the number of years that Italy has been in the Six Nations now and the number of games played and the number of games won... Um, doesn't vote well for for Italy. No, I agree, and and I think it was the previous game where Franco Smith made a statement to say that Italy will never be wherever they are or want to go. Um, the closest they would get to that is within five or six years. 
So a lot of people say, but we don't have five or six years. We want to get there now. But one has to be realistic at the end of the day. You know, Italy, um, they are renowned for, for other things than playing rugby. Yes. And one needs to be fair on that. Having said that, that these guys are all professionals. I think part of the reason maybe, and you look at Franco Smith now, so now he's had a bad Six Nations. What's the next step for the coach? You know, the, the last thing that you want every now and again is to get rid of the coach. So the coach starts from fresh. So there's right. someone new coming in, yes. new standards, new player selection. So you'll never win, really. You need to settle down and and decide on where you want to go to and get achieved. And then obviously he needs to be, have the backing from the union. Yes, but now if you look at the Italian players playing in, in, in Europe, in the U- European competitions, um, they've got some outstanding players, players that fit into the teams in Europe like a glove, and they, they're absolutely outstanding players. Why can't those players then get together to form a decent Italian side or a competitive, not a decent, but a competitive Italian side? I think part of, part of it is that if you can draw a line to say that Let's say, it doesn't matter who it is now, but we're speaking Italian rugby. Let's say the Italian rugby, um, they all play at a specific line. um, And that's their max and the best that they can perform as a unit. So when you go to Europe and you play with Springboks and you play with All Blacks and you play with Wallabies and whatever, or the French side, obviously the odd player is, is way better than the Italian player himself, but those players would then lift that Italian player to a next level. So when you play for Italy, their standard is set, and they achieve their standard, but they never get taken out of their comfort zone or work on different skills or so forth. Where they play with a quality side, um, obviously automatically it lifts them and they, and they perform better because they, they're surrounded by quality players. Yeah, but shouldn't you then take that quality or that level of performance to your, to your national side as well? I think they do. I think, but the uh, the setups might be different, you know. So, um, if you if you just a prime example for argument's sake, if you are a Sharks player, and let's say there's ten Sharks players, and you get released to go back to your clubs, that Shark player, one guy goes back to a club, um, he might be an outstanding player, um, trying to lift the club players. But the club players all play at a specific level, so it's very mm-hmm. difficult for them to go up. If you have Ten Italians leaving a specific club and they go back to or into the into the Italian side, you'd expect that to happen. But I think it's a, a, you know it's also a psychological thing. I don't know you know. I, luckily, I'm not there though. But I don't know if there's if there's a self belief issue or you know the coach can motivate as much as he wants to. They listen to social media and they read what's going they on. And, do. But having said that, then you go back to the World Cup and you look at Japan. Japan is a is a also let's call it a no name brand. How do they compete against the Springboks against Wales and whatever? And look at what they did in the World Cup, you know. So I suppose it's it's how you set your targets and how you motivate and and what you want to do because Japan, their coach said they will be the fittest side in the World Cup, and I mean they ran rugged when they when they played in the World Cup. When you gave them space, then England France. Quite a tight game. Yeah, it was. And, uh, and I think that was probably the game of the weekend. Um, you know, it was a, it was a cracker from, from the beginning right until the end. Um, you know, the, the, the French, typical French flair, I think they didn't eat their straps the whole time. England probably played their best game of the tournament, yes. um, probably in the last year. 
I know Eddie Jones has now gone on to say, uh, without quoting him now, because I can't remember what the words were, but they have now shown uh, what they can do against France come 2023 in the World Cup. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think one needs to be careful. Um, one win doesn't doesn't make it. Having said that, uh, the English deserve probably deserve to win. Um, but I felt sorry for the French because, you know, they they themselves I think were didn't play against Scotland, so yes. uh, because of COVID, so that put them off as well. You know, and they've got a yes. young side. But I mean, I, for for them, I think they were very disappointed in whatever. Um, but I mean, they narrowly lost, and, and England won it right at the end. So um, I think it's going to be a cracker going forward. And then Scotland, Ireland, quite a good one there as well. Yes, yeah, true. Um, I think Scotland were probably very disappointed in their in their game. Um, there was a yellow card or two in that game as well uh, that probably cost them the game. Um, but you know, if you listen to the commentators, Scotland hadn't played in in four weeks. Yes. Because of COVID, playing against the Irish side that is good. Yes, they've also been struggling, um, and they lost it at the end. You know, so um, similar to England. I mean, France. France were leading right until the end, and English went on and scored a try to to basically win that yes. game. So um, with the Scottish side, it was exactly the same. I think there was a penalty that that won it at the end of the day. Um, but it is what it is. You know, you got your professional side. You need to bounce back. People expect you to to perform well. And the Scots have come a long way, so um, it's good to see them performing again. But the sad part here is, I think, uh, I don't know what the stats is, I forgot about the stats now, but I think they hadn't beaten Ireland in the last five or six years. So, um, But it's just going to take that one game one day, and it's going to change their, their whole mindset. Now, I thought they are going to do better after beating England um, in the opening game. That's true, but as I said, the four-week layoff is is massive. Yeah, you know, do. you can you can do as much fitness as you can and whatever. Yeah. That match fitness is a is a massive, yeah, especially at that level. Yeah, and look, they've they've played well. There's some good combinations that Gregory Townsend has put together. Um, you know, and but they'll get there. They'll get. Yeah, they there. will get there. They're way better than they were in the World Cup. Definitely. Then talking about Ireland now, I see that C.J. Stander has now announced that he's retiring from rugby altogether at the age of 30. He played 50 tests. Saturday was his 50th test for Ireland and 150 caps for, for Munster. Yeah, look, as a, as a South African boy, um, it's always sad to see someone hang up the boots. I think he's still, he's still young. He could have offered Ireland quite a bit still. Um, at the, least another two years. Yeah, I think he's good enough to have played in the next World Cup too. But he's yeah. stated family, family as part of his reason, and uh, yes. he's hung up his boots in all forms of of the game, um, which is sad. You know, if you look at him, he's just proof again, like our own very own Chesler and Colby. Um, he, uh, I speak on a correction. I think it was in two thousand and nine or something like that, where. He was at the Bulls, and he was told he's too small to play at that specific level. So then he moved to to Ireland, and obviously um, he played at the Bulls. He played under Johan van Graan, I think. Well, not under him, but he was part of the coaching staff. Yeah, so when he moved to Ireland, it was just easy for him to, to fit in. And, and the track record that CJ Standard has is actually phenomenal. Since he made the Irish setup, 
Um, he's never missed out on any series that they've gone to. He's always been part and parcel of something. He has been part of it so, all the way um, through. I think, and I mean, he's Captain Island, he's Captain Munster. He's been player of the year, player of the year on that side. He, yes. And somewhere I read that he's the first foreign player to be player of the year in, in Ireland. In Ireland. Two times, I think, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. So, I mean, he's a phenomenal player. And, and, you know, it's sad to see him go. It's good for us if we play against him, so he won't be there anymore. Um, but it's sad to see him go. And uh, as I said, I mean, he played on the weekend for Ireland and he was phenomenal. So he's still got lots to go. And uh, in his statement, he also said that he wants to step down when things are going great still. So yeah. his contract, I think, ends in June. Um, obviously, that's when he will finish. And yeah. then he will still finish for Ireland whenever their test series finishes. So. Yeah. I see he makes special mention of Johan van Gron. Um Johan meeting him, or he meet, meet it, met Johan in Pretoria when he was 17 years old. And now 14 years later, um, they're still big mates and still um, he's taking still a lot of um, coaching from Johan van Gron. No, I, I look... I think even, obviously, as you stated, even Johan van Gaan has come a long way. Um, that's part of the reason, I suppose, why why uh, they've done so well and, and, you know, how he reacts and that. And, and I think part of part of what is, is there is he speaks a lot about his Afrikaans that is, that is uh, when he went to Ireland, that's basically the only language you could speak and that he says his English has improved uh, quite a bit. Um, I lost the Afrikaans. Yeah, so um, but yeah, it's great. And and what he's doing now is uh, he's he's I think he's got a daughter. He wanted the daughter to to grow up with with her family, and that's part of the reason why they're coming back to South Africa. So what would be great? I know he's he's hung up his boots and he said that's finished. But hopefully they can twist his arm a little bit, but to play in South Africa, I think he's he's got definitely going to be a loss to rugby if he stops completely. Well, let's hope that's not the last. CJ Stander. No, I don't think so. I think he's definitely, yeah, hopefully, I think he's definitely going to feature in the line setup. So um, maybe that would be his last. You think he can come and play for Rovers against Patrick Lambie? <laughs> yes, I hear you. <laughs> fixtures for the upcoming fixtures. Tomorrow evening, we've got the Elephants taking on Griquas. We've got the Pumas. And the Cheetahs, and the Bulls and the Stormers. And then, your thoughts on that, Mark? Well, firstly, it's uh, the competition, and obviously it's a preparations cup. Um, it's different for us because uh, the teams play every 10 days. So, um, And part of that was uh, the thought process of Rassi Erasmus and them from a COVID perspective. Obviously, if a team gets COVID, then... Yes. You're out for 10 days and that. So I think that was a massive brain brainchild for, for us that was born there, which was great. Um, and, you know, yeah, having said that, there's a couple of, couple of teams that are playing strength versus strength. So it, it would be would be nice to see the thought process here with the coaches, whether they will now put their stronger side in. Because somewhere along the line, the A team has to play yes. before they go into the, into the other cups. So... Um, it's going to be interesting. So I think one of the games is is Ipi Kings against Griquas. Yes. Um, and I think from an EP point of view, and I think they're playing in Kimberley, if I'm not mistaken. So it's going to be a tough battle to go and play there. But if there's a if there's a chance for EP for the EP guys to to stand up and and show what they're worth, 
that's going to be that game. Although it's not going to be easy playing in Kirkwas. So I'm um, looking forward to it. And then on Saturday, it's the Lions and the Sharks at Imrus Ellis Park. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting one. Um, the two coaches that have joined us in, in the studio before um, are up against each other. The two uh, Shawns. Yep, the Sean Erasmuses and the Sean Everett's of this world. Yes. Um, obviously, we're backing the Sharks. It's our side. Yes. Um, that in itself, as I said earlier, would be quite interesting to see because um, who knows, maybe the two young teams will, will have a crack at each other and not the senior guys. And then... Um, Yes, hopefully uh, Sean Everett will get one over Sean Erasmus. I need to think about this one. Huh? Yeah, and then um, I need to speak to Sean to make sure that it does happen because you are unfortunately also a line supporter. <laughs> so this is going to be a difficult one. Being involved in the Sharks and then having to support my team, the Lions, it's going to be difficult. You can support but them off I'm sure, air, not a problem. I'm sure Sean's going to win. Yeah, one of them is going to win. Yeah, Sean's so. going to win, I'm sure of that. <laughs> Then, to move on to Dwayne Vermeulen being named the Player of the Year, South African Rugby Player of the Year 2020. Um, his achievements over the year is just absolutely phenomenal. Um, he became the fifth member of a very elite club, players that has been awarded this accolade over the years. Skalk Berger in 2004 and 2011, Brian Banner 2005, 2007 and 2012, Puri de Pria 2006 and 2009, Jean de Villiers in 2008, 2013, Peter Steph de Toy 2016, 2018 and 2019, and now Dwayne Vermeulen that took it in this year or last year, and in 2014. So it's a very elite club that he's joining here. No, definitely. Um, you know, if you if you just look at the the difference that he made at the Bulls this year, um, you know, other than his physical presence, it's his, it's his leadership, yes. it's the experience that he brought to that young side. Yes. Um, the Bulls themselves, I mean, Jake White was very clever in putting that team together with, with young and experienced players. But uh, if you if you if you look at him, you need to look at the whole package. You can't just look at player experience and what he does on the field. Um, his physical contribution. I mean, that's why he's tall. Um, he's an exceptional player, um, and 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 to be honest, I think he's a feared player in in most areas in the world. Um, but well deserved. I mean, we've got we've got quality players in South Africa, and for him to walk away with that accolade, I think it did help that uh, the Bulls obviously walked away with quite a bit this year. So it's just fitting as well that a player of his stature comes out of the Bulls side. Um, you know, and as you said, there's not many that have that have had the accolade to win it oh. twice. You know, the odd one has won it three times oh. already. So, and it's, there's only two that have got it three times, and that's Brian Abana and uh, Peter, Peter Steff. Yeah, so it's it's uh, you know, and and well deserved. Yes. You know, he was out of our country, he came back into the country yes. to to perform, and I can tell you as well, there would have been massive pressure on him to perform on and off the field. Um, and he's a he's a gentle giant. Well, so he's a if good you look at his performance, 2019 and 2020. Um, okay, the little that they played in 2020, but 2019 going through the World Cup, I mean, he was absolutely phenomenal. Um, if you look at the guidance that he 
and the support he gave Sia Kulisi as the captain of the Springboks through the, the World Cup and then um, joining up with the, with the Bulls team with um, Jake White and, and what he did there, the support and the, and the leadership that he's shown. I mean, he was just phenomenal. You know, I think we're veering a, a little bit away from, from Dwayne himself, but if you look at the season, the season campaigners um, under Rashi Erasmus, so what he wanted was that the season campaigners uh, take a youngster basically under their wings and, and mould them into whatever South African rugby stands for. You know, so Dwayne Vermeulen, if you look at what he's done at the Bulls, with self-belief and players. I mean, I think he's one of those players that doesn't actually need to say much. Just his peer presence there makes the people listen and stand up and want to follow him, you know. And and luckily, he's one of those players I don't think that has to say a lot. Because no, he, doesn't. he does a lot. And and I think he's no. feared. So, um, and, I think and his presence just does it. Uh. Yeah, well-deserved and well done, Dwayne. Um, definitely deserved. Yeah, and then in, in ending, um, if we could just uh, wish, and it's a belated birthday wish, to MVM Moldings, this is Marco Masotti. Happy birthday um, from the Mamsam Toti. It's his hometown. He went to school here and then obviously went overseas to USA. Um, very successful businessman. They bought... 51% shares in, in the Sharks. In the Sharks, yes. So everything is local. So to Marco, happy belated birthday. Um, may you have a blessed year. Happy birthday, Marco. Thank you very much, Mark. Good to have this chat with you once again and to hear your thoughts. Thanks, guys. Nice being here. From Touchline, may you have a blessed rugby week. <laughs>